Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began. I have been missing for two weeks, and this is your two-week update on 50k to 50k. The short news is that things have gone kind of well. The other news is that they haven't went great, and so I'll do the usual thing. I'll talk through the rising and falling stocks and I'll do that only after I've gone through my team kind of player by player and analysed what is, I want to say underwhelming just because I thought it had so much potential to explode but some things did come in like Tony did score at the right time for me really which worked out Henderson's currently on a clean sheet at half time which means he's only about to lose 4-0 which is encouraging uh, I'm recording this halfway through the Brighton and um, Forest game. So if you're watching that and you're rooting for Forest, I offer my sincerest condolences because it is absolutely heartbreakingly sad to watch. But we're still in there right now. And so instead of putting myself through the excruciating second 45 minutes of it, I thought I'd come here and talk to you. The life update to go with the podcast update is that the reason why I wasn't available for two weeks is because I have been uprooting my life and moving from Glasgow, which is socially in the centre of Scotland, in reality quite far south of that in geographical terms, especially if you consider the islands at the top. So I've moved from the middle of Scotland, uh, which... uh, from a city in the middle of Scotland, which is 15 minutes from the village I grew up in, to Cornwall, which for my international viewers, I'm sure there's about two of you, uh, is absolutely effing miles. (laughs) Cornwall is the southernmost point of the UK. It has the closest thing the UK has to a tropical climate, and in that it is pretty wet and windy, but it's also very sunny, uh, especially for the UK, uh, for, for kind of the majority of the year or at least we like to think that down here um yeah so i guess the other life's update would be i don't live in a box i'm not just sitting by the door i don't own a lamp yet because i forgot to bring any of those down because i had to drive down and so like fitting all the lamps and all my plants in the car just didn't seem like the best idea so we drove down lampless and we've arrived and it's just the big light and so to set up with you guys being able to see my face, I have to crowd myself in the corner so you can actually see me. I don't know why I thought that was important to share. Anyway, so to return to episode two of... Sorry, I need to move this way. Sorry, I can't actually move that far that way, so I'll just move the screen. I'm realizing now that you guys can see the camera, That I mean, the microphone who gives a shit like this the the um, video quality of this podcast was always questionable at best anyway uh two weeks ago two weeks ago how do i go back how do i go back i can't because we're in the middle of the week game week two weeks ago i was at about 30 something k i think like a little over 30k so i'd gone 20k down from two from 50k which is this series is named after my team looked like this and since then we have done these transfers which has left us with this transfers 
and we have three transfers left to use to get to overhaul. I mean, overhaul, you know what I mean, the the World Cup bet. We've got three, I mean, I'm shooting for 15, so I've got three left to play with. I took out for Van Dyke for Romero. I think that was a good move. Um, I brought in Adams. Uh, I wanted to bring in McAllister, but this person tweeted me saying that Adams was a safer bet. And all of the gambles I'd made until that, that point in the season uh, did not pay off. And so I listened to the Twitter man um, and uh, I have, I've, I've, I've loved to regret that uh, more than you know. Um, other transfer news, uh, Ivan Tony, I owned him briefly because he had a five for one in Kane. I don't know if that paid off. I don't know if it did because Kane scored every week and Tony scored twice, but I captained him for the two. And so it will be close either way. And then uh, I brought in Bowen for him, who hasn't returned as of yet, but I'm captaining against Bournemouth before I get rid of him. So I've got a three for one on him. So I figured I'd take that. That's kind of the transfer update. In terms of the individual performances, owing... Owen, owning holes in his gloves, Henderson has been the most excruciating time of my life so far. If I just go through his game week by game week performance before I owned him, he had four points, 15 points, five points, then eight points. And since I owned him, he's had minus one points, zero points, two points, one points, two points, two points, and a current four. So the, the value of those four points is not currently lost to me, but the reality that it will be followed up by a minus six is also not lost on me. So I'm yes, I'm captaining him for this game week, and then he is being removed before he plays Liverpool and gets absolutely demolished. Next up, Nathan Dyer. His name's Nathan. Eric Dyer. <laughs> Next up, Eric Dyer. <laughs> um, Eric Dyer's been good for me. We I had Dyer and Romero to start the season. I'm now back to that double up because. Um, I like Spurs and the games are all right and Liverpool have been absolutely soul-destroying to watch this season. Um, the arc of Trent Alexander-Arnold has been genuinely heartbreaking and so I'm glad that I never owned him. I also want him to keep his head up because I know he listens to the podcast. So yeah, that's sad. And uh, I brought in Van Dijk because I thought he was a safer bet than Salah and then Salah scored important goals in days where other people captained him and I didn't. So that is a life lesson. Next, Cancelo, he's good at football. I'm trying to, I'll name like the past couple of game weeks, two last week, but that was against Liverpool. And then against Southampton, he got 19 points. So, you know, he stays. And Saliba, again, probably the value pick this season, what we thought Romero was going to be. He's got me nine, one point against Liverpool, three against Spurs, and then 14 against Brentford. So showing, which is I love to see in all my players, is consistent returns depending on the fixture. So I know I can predict, I, sh I should predict quality results based on the quality of the games. And that's always encouraging as someone who used to be a bit more of an analytics head. I've become less that since I've started this podcast because I wanted the content to be more interesting. But what I have realized is that I just get messages on Twitter from um, people who are doing better than me this season saying, keep your chin up. <laughs> so chin's up, we're doing better and we're, we're on the upwards arc and I'm going to look at more XG again, hopefully. And then, yeah, I brought Romero back in for Van Dyke because that 
Liverpool backline looked absolutely heartbreaking and they were about to play City. So you'll be glad to know I'm two points up on that transaction. Um, And yeah, I feel like a total actual idiot. <laughs> because, yeah, but that is the nature of the game, isn't it? Like, if you're predicting anyone on current form to concede against any team, it would be that team to concede against City. I know that's a bogey game for everyone involved and it's always hard to predict. But I think, as I always say in this podcast, you've got to live and die by the decision-making based on the facts that you had available and not the outcome of them because football is such a low-scoring game no one can predict exactly what's going to happen. And if I could predict exactly what could happen i wouldn't be wasting my time doing this and instead i'd be playing soccer sixes every week and um accurately predicting results so i get 250k every single friday next gel palino i think he's gone off a cliff a bit is he not yeah so palino's hit out with a zero a two and a two I don't know if they've changed system or anything because i haven't caught them on the tv but i'd appreciate it if anyone could comment just to let me know what shifted in him. I don't think I'll transfer him out just because he's so cheap and he's a threat from set pieces. Actually, I definitely won't transfer him out. If we, we know me, I won't do that. Um, but yeah, let me know what's actually happening there. And then Mo Salads. Uh, am I glad I kept him? Probably not. Will I keep him now? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my Mo Salah speech. And then... Uh, Adams, am I sad I picked him instead of the guy I wanted to pick? Yeah, because someone else in my league did pick him. And now he looks smart and McAllister hasn't even scored a penalty yet and he's on penalties and he outperforms Adams every week. So that's sad, I guess. I also couldn't really celebrate my Ivan Tony win when I captained him and he absolutely hauled because the other guy in my league captained McAllister and he also he got nine points without scoring. So, you know, I'll just kill myself, I guess. And then Bowen... Uh, is also Bowen. He's about to play Liverpool, so he'll do absolutely nothing in that. And then I'll captain him against Bournemouth, and because I specifically have captained him, and Bournemouth now look like they can do a low block at least some of the time, and West Ham have no centre-backs, that is probably not looking like the most business decision I've ever made in my life either, but it's only for two games, and then I can take him out. So I'm going to happily do that. And then to move up top, Gabriel Jesus, last three, two points, seven points, ten points. He'll stay for a while. Great value at 9.5 million. Absolutely nailed. They're focusing on the league. They're focusing on him. And so am I. And lastly, Erling Haaland is really good in the game. I should have started with him. He hasn't scored in the last one match. So I don't know. He's probably finished. To now move into what I will call the quality analysis of this incredibly short podcast, where I talk rapidly for the entire time. Uh, I tried to do a stocks rising and stocks falling and then realized that it's been almost, I'll move into the middle. I tried to do a, real, a stocks rising and a stocks falling for the time that I've been off of the podcast. And then I realized that it's been almost a month. And so every team has virtually gone both up and down in that time. And so I figured I'm just going to look at you, say a few, and then I'll look at the league table and say a few more. So I'm going to get comfortable. Let's start with Aston Villa. Um, horrible to watch. Are they likely to keep a clean sheet? Probably more so than they were before. Are they likely to sack Gerrard? Almost definitely. Are the team way better than he's making them look? Yes. Can he play expansive football on his own? No. Did he rely on Beal a lot? Yes. As Beal a quality coach? Yes. As Gerrard? Absolutely not. As are some of the stories of just how little involved Gerrard was in the tactics of his own team? Quite illuminating? Yes. 
is it like how Sir Alex Ferguson was less involved? Absolutely not. And that's Aston Villa. Um, to move on to another eight, Arsenal. I love watching them play football. I think they look... They're just... Their game management's better. And I think Martinelli's like a... Uh, what's the word? I think Martinelli's got a real fighter. <laughs> I think Martinelli is... Uh, <laughs> I think Martinelli is... A rat. A little, a little street rat. So, um, in like a good way, I think he's got fight in him. I think Saka's the nicest person I, I've ever seen on TV. And so I'm glad that they both play for them. And I like watching them play football. I think Saliba's cultured. I think he's better than Gabriel. And I think they actually complement each other really well because um, I like them both. Uh, and they do complement each other really well. They're both great in the ball. I think Ben White's evolution to this um, right back is fantastic. Uh, I've liked him as a right back. I've said this on podcasts before, but I thought he played really well as a right back for England. And so when I did my England podcast, I mentioned how he can occupy those spaces really effectively. I'm not surprised Arteta was inspired by that because Arteta is obviously a very smart manager and he manages the team really well. His team talks are obviously, as we've seen in the thing, awful, but if it isn't, broken don't fix it and they're currently top of the league um yeah do i think the way they play football is different from how pep guardiola fit, plays football i think you see slightly more obvious changes game to game in arsenal i think they do protect specifically target certain areas of the defense in a way that's a bit more obvious to the kind of at-home viewer than pep does i think pep's style can look so the same game to game um, especially because they're expected to dominate everyone in, in actually quite a similar way. But yeah, he's definitely taken what he's learned from Pep and implementing it in his own way, which I think is um, admirable. I was talking to a Man United fan today, actually, to just to mention a Man United, I was talking to a Man United fan today and he said that he thought Ten Hag was a copy of Pep Guardiola. I... I disagreed slightly. I agreed in as much as the, the whole footballing world has been kind of moved, has been pivoted on its axis because of Pep Guardiola. And so everything after the rise of Pep Guardiola will not be in his shadow, but will be kind of, a, will be impacted by the ripple effect of, do you mean, his bald-headed stone being thrown into the, 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 the footballing uh, ocean waters, as it were. And so, yeah, even Klopp's system, the way he rotates possession, the fact that he brought in Thiago, is, those are responses and in, in, are, are, are kind of Pep Guardiola pillars in themselves. Like, that isn't a pure gag in press. He's evolved it in response to Pep Guardiola's dominance, and that is cool. Like, they're all responding to each other. Pep Guardiola does gag in pressing when, like, that team does do gag in pressing. You see it. So... Like, you know, like that's the counter press and that's meant to not be his thing and it is their thing. So that's great. Even though they've done it for a while and he's done it across multiple teams, that's like, like they all adopt little bits of each other. But anyway, to get back to Ten Hag specifically, what's he doing? I mean, he plays it out from the back and yes, everyone does do that, but there's like a thousand ways to play it out the back. Like, um... I don't know. I think I think he was right in saying that he's influenced by Pep Guardiola. 
but but he, I don't think he's trying to do the same thing. I think he's using the same tools and not and they're just not effectively sharpened yet. So sometimes it does look a bit just like the lateral passing of a Pep Guardiola team, but w- without the creativity. But like I do think they're trying to pass it out the back to invite teams onto them, which I guess is something that Pep Guardiola teams will do as well. But I think they're trying to pass it out the back to invite teams onto them to generate as many in-behind chances as possible to maximise um, the effectiveness of players like um, uh, Rashford, Martial and uh, Anthony. I just think the creativeness, the creativity in terms of... Um, the entire team should probably be questioned, just in my opinion. I think Ericsson was a great introduction, but I think this is a team, if you want to talk a bit about like a Conte fashion, a Conte way of playing, I think this is a team that could do really well with a few automations, like a few kind of automated ways of playing or or natural build-ups where they try and play to the pit, to the book, to the pass, this pass, that pass, this pass, that pass, and then Rashford's in behind. If they just had a few kind of routes to run like that, to use a an American football turner phrase, they might look a little bit more or a little bit less toothless. And I just, yeah, I just think that sometimes with United, it can quickly look a bit lateral and a bit out of ideas. And I don't know exactly what that is because uh, they're trying to create obviously the lateral passing is to try and create overloads on one side and isolate one of their fast wingers and the other but what we have seen United fans complain about is the uh, wingers ability one-on-one to actually get past that player and so in order for that one-on-one to create value they're struggling to transition there however if they could play a bit quickly and focus a little bit more on getting in behind Ala Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> Ala Gunnar Solskjaer then they could do a little bit more because as he was saying earlier, which I did agree with is the United have a style of play. And I'm not saying that that um, hasn't been lost already because it very much has uh, from the Sir Alex Ferguson style of play or the styles of play. But I, I think explosiveness, wing play and some version of, of Ronaldo playing as is, is probably a little bit closer to ideal than exactly what's happening now. But I think with with a little bit different recruitment, exactly what's happening now could work in a season or two. And I do think they'll hold on to Ten Hag for that time. And so I think this kind of isolations, rotations, and in, in all of this um, intellectual Ten Hag, uh, Guardiola mimicking about the lanes and the every half space and all that stuff, I think... Uh, and time will come to see that that is uh, that that is actually probably quite a good way of playing football, Pep's way <laughs> of playing football, and it's definitely good enough to secure top four this season. I think uh, all things going well. Um, who do I predict to finish top four this season? Oh wait, actually, just before I touch on that, um, I will ultimately conclude that he has a Guardiola copycat because Arteta is a Guardiola copycat, and I think what Ten Hag's doing looks quite similar to uh, what Arteta's doing at times. So, what do you think about that? Is it? Yeah, the shapes and principles are similar, but I guess if you just call them Guardiola's um, shapes and principles, then 
I don't know, you're learning something there in itself. But yeah, total football, wada, wada, wada. Uh, what I think the end structure of the Premier League will be, I think we'll finish Arsenal top. Oh, I, hope they, I hope they do it. I hope, that, I hope they do it. I really do. I hope that's fascinating. I hope Arsenal, I hope we get an Arsenal. What am I hoping for? Let's do that. I'm hoping for Arsenal, City, Spurs, Man U. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. So, yeah, I'm hoping for that. And then what did I think it will be? Maybe a City, Arsenal, Spurs. Um, A City, Arsenal, Spurs. Chelsea, sadly. But yeah, you guys know what I, I want and I'm looking for. And in terms of transfer planning, what you guys can expect to, me to be talking about in terms of fantasy football coming up. Uh, oh, it's still no, no. Oh, no way. No way. Oh, and he's up to save steer too. Oh, God. It's only the 56th minute. He will concede, but even if he just doesn't concede that many, and so it's not a negative, I'll be elated. Come on, holes in his gloves, Hendo. Come on, the boys. Um, yeah. Uh, Ivan Tony got me 26 points on captaincy. I'm now ranked, so I've gone from 50k to 19,200k at this moment, right now, right this second, at 8.45 on Tuesday night. And I will speak to you guys at the start of next week with another update on uh, our, um, our plight to success. Wish me every luck in my move. Things are going very well. And hopefully we have like a real adult set up again soon. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon.